to Ephesians chapter 1 and verse number 15. The Bible says, Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what, and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And what is it, the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places, far above all principalities and powers and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that world which is to come and hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church which is his body the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Heavenly Father, Lord, we want to thank you for the singing tonight, for the opportunity to give in the offering. Thank you for your people that's gathered in this place. Lord, for the testimonies tonight that have encouraged our hearts. Lord, I'm glad we're still in a church where people can stand and magnify and glorify your name. And Lord, we can still hear uh, people uh, lift your name up. I pray now that you'll bless the reading of thy word. Speak to us and speak through us. And Lord, may you get the glory for it all. And we ask it in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated tonight. Notice with me in verse number 15 that Paul uh, talks about the testimony concerning this church. He said, Wherefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints. And the testimony of Ephesus is seen in verse number 15 in how that they treated the Savior, number one, and then how they treated the saints. He said, I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all saints. And I want to just stop and say, how you treat the Savior is a exactly how you're going to treat the people of God. Amen? Because we are the body of Christ. You know why the world hates us? Because the world hates Jesus. Amen? And if you love the Lord, you're going to love the church. Isn't that right? And so we see the testimony. Paul uh, talks about the testimony concerning uh, the church and then he talks about uh, his thankfulness concerning the church in verse 16. He said, I cease not to give thanks for you. You know, we ought to be thankful for our church. Isn't that right? It's been said many times here in testimonies as well as tonight, even in the message this morning, but I think it does good for all of us to be reminded, myself included, that we ought to thank God every day for a good church to go to. If you're not careful, here's what can happen, and if I'm not careful, you can let people poison your mind about the church. Now, if you're not careful, you get hooked up with the wrong person in church sometimes that just you know wants to murmur and they want to complain. Hey, listen, we're not perfect tonight. Can we get a witness on that? We're not claiming to be perfect. We're not claiming this is a perfect church. I'm not a perfect pastor. You're not perfect people. And none of us are perfect tonight. But we serve one who is perfect. And we have a perfect book. Amen. I have to be reminded as a pastor that everybody in the church is not going to do the way I want them to. You know why? Because I don't do everything that I'm supposed to neither. I mean, I try. 
and I'm sure that you try. But I think sometimes we have to be careful because we can sour our minds towards somebody else by sitting around talking about people, gossiping about people, just, you know, nitpicking, find little problems, you know, just all the time. You know, make sure the conversation is what I'm saying about each other is always on the upward end and stay away from the negative end. Isn't that right? I mean, we could all find something negative about somebody, but it's a whole lot more blessed to find the good in people and to thank God for who they are. I mean, I'm glad God gave us this church. I'm glad for every member that God sends this way. And that's the attitude that the Apostle Paul had. I think the attitude of a spiritual member is that they will just be thankful for their church, amen? Thankful for a place to come and hear the word of God preached. Thankful for a place to come and to sing the songs of Zion. Thankful for a place to come and to be able to fellowship with the saints. You say, but I like so-and-so and I don't like so-and-so. Well, I'll tell you, listen, if you had nobody to fellowship with, if you were someplace and you had no Christian brotherhood, you know what? We would thank God for every member that God sent our way. And that's the way Paul was here. And we see that he talks about the testimony concerning the church. And then he talks about his thankfulness concerning the church. But then Paul mentions his task concerning the church in verse number 16. He said he ceased not to give thanks for you. Now watch this. Making mention of you in my prayers. You see, Paul was not just thankful for the church, but Paul took on the task to pray for the church of Ephesus and those that were faithful in that area. I think we have a responsibility tonight to pray for our local church, amen? We ought to pray for the man of God. We ought to pray for the membership. We ought to pray for the meeting, amen? Every service that we have, we ought to pray collectively for those services. That's for Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night revival meetings. We ought to pray for the missionaries that we support, amen? Listen, we ought to pray for the many ministries of the church. How much more can be done when you and I are spending time praying for the church? I promise you those that complain about the church, they sure don't pray for the church, amen? Those that complain about the pastor, they don't pray for the pastor. And the pastor that's always complaining about the people, he don't pray for the people. But when you pray one for another, you know what it does? It helps you and I to have a greater appreciation for each other and for the local assembly, amen? And so Paul in this text here, he takes on the task of praying for the church of Ephesus. He said, when I think of you, he said, I'm thankful and I cease not to make mention of that thankfulness in my prayers for you. I ask you this question tonight. Do you pray for your church? Do you pray for the man of God? Do you pray for the membership? Do you take that church directory and just take up about 15 minutes and go through it and look at those names and pray for those names? Listen, do you pray for the ministries, the missionaries? Do you pray for the meetings, the services of the church? Listen, and we could pray about a lot of things. There's a lot of things to pray about in a church. Isn't that right? We could pray about the physical needs of the church and certainly we ought to pray one for another for our health and pray for the physical needs. 
somebody's sick, I think the church ought to pray for them. Can I get a witness right there? And then we ought to pray for the financial needs. Uh, when you see people struggling and you know there's some people that may be struggling a little more uh, than what you and I may be at the moment, then you ought to pray for their financial needs. Uh, we ought to pray for the financial needs and the furtherance of the gospel of the church, amen? That God would bless the church financially, uh, that we can use the money for the glory and the honor of God. We ought to pray for the material needs of the church. Uh, others may have some material needs. Uh, I'm not talking about wants tonight. I'm talking about real needs. Uh, and we ought to pray for the material needs, uh, the physical needs, the uh, listen, the financial needs. Uh, but what's interesting in verse number six, 17, down throughout the rest of this chapter, is that Paul is about to pray a prayer for the church of Ephesus. And in this prayer here, he's not going to pray for the physical. He's not going to pray for the material. And he's not going to pray for the financial. But he's going to pray for the most important need that is in every local church. You say, Brother Gravely, what is that? That's the spiritual need of the church. I want to preach a few minutes tonight on how to pray for your church. How to pray for your church. Because Paul's prayer might be rather surprising to all of us tonight. If you take the things that I just said, now again, there's nothing wrong and we ought to pray for these things. Don't misunderstand me. But if you take the financial needs and you take the material needs and you take the physical needs out of the local prayer meeting in our churches today, how many prayer requests do we really even have? In most of our churches, and I'm not against this, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. 95% of the prayer requests are for the physical needs of others. That doesn't mean that they ought not to be prayed for and that they ought not to be mentioned. That's not what I'm saying. But it used to be that people majored on the spiritual. Pray for my brother, he's lost. Pray for my sister for salvation. Pray for my neighbor who is lost. Pray for a co-worker who is backslid. Pray for my prodigal son, prodigal daughter. Pray for those that have gone wayward. People had a burden, didn't they? And people was concerned about the spiritual needs. I wanna tell you tonight, while our churches in this day, they may be large, they may be growing, they may be wealthy, they may even be great, and they might even be impressive. I'll tell you what, most of them are not today. They're not spiritual, amen? I'm telling you, friend, uh, of the average church today, it has money in the bank, uh, has a great music program. Uh, you hear great truth coming from the pulpit in a lot of churches that you not would know today. I'll tell you what's wrong in a lot of our churches. Uh, there is a major lack of spirituality. There's a major lack of spirituality on the forefront of the home. Uh, there's a major a lack of spirituality in the marriage. Uh, my friend, in the parenting system, uh, there's a major lack of spirituality uh, in the youth group. Uh, uh, listen, I'm telling you, friend, our churches uh, are never going to be more spiritual than the people in the pews uh, and the preacher in the pulpit. Amen. I'm telling you, we ought to desire more than to just have a large church uh, or a wealthy church uh, or a great church uh, or an impressive church. Uh, I tell you, I'd rather have 50 people on the side of the road uh, and have a spiritual church uh, where God is pleased and God is meeting and the breath of God is real. I'm talking about free listen as a pastor. It is my burden. Not that you just come here and sit in a pew and pay your tithes, but I want God to do something in your life spiritually for the glory and honor of God. 
I want to ask you a question tonight. You don't have to, you, this is not a question to be answered except in your heart. How spiritual of a person are you tonight? How spiritual of a person am I tonight? I'm telling you, listen, if you and I go to church for any other reason, then we go for the wrong reason tonight. When you think about it, Paul is praying here for this church. And there's four things in Paul's prayer. And every one of these things has to do with Jesus. It, Paul is praying a pointed prayer that is pointing the church. He, remember, he's talking about in verse three, blessed be the God and Father who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. This is a spiritual church. So Paul is praying a spiritual prayer for them. And in that spiritual prayer, here's what he's doing. Everything that he is praying concerning the church of Ephesus, it has to do with Jesus. It has to do with Christ. Uh, you say, Brother Gravely, why is that so important? Because it's important that you and I build a relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen. You see coming to church uh, is not about leading the choir, teaching Sunday school, preaching a sermon, uh, uh, listen, singing a song, uh, uh, attending a service. Uh, uh, it, that's not what it's about. You say, but preacher, that's what we do. And it is. Uh, but I want to tell you coming to church has to be on a much higher level than that. You see if you lead the choir and that's what drives you to come to church, you miss the mark. If you're playing the instrument is what drives you to come to church, you miss the mark. If preaching the sermon is why I come to church, to pastor the church, then I've missed the mark. You see, my friend, you say, what is that mark? Uh, the mark uh, is a spiritual relationship with Jesus Christ. Uh, that's what I want to ask you tonight. Uh, how is your relationship with Jesus? How is it tonight? It was B.R. Lakin that made this statement several years ago. And of course, he's speaking about the Southern Baptist. He made it at the Southern Baptist Convention. And he was talking about, uh, he was talking about churches as a whole when he made this statement. He said he believed after traveling the country and preaching many, many rock revivals, conferences, and camp meetings that 85% of the people sitting in many of our churches were not even saved. Now, before you make a critical thought about that, think about it today. I'm not telling you that 85% of the people here is lost. But what I'm telling you today, you think about the average church today. How many people do you think in that church really knows Jesus Christ? Really has a personal walk with him? I want to tell you tonight, it's very important. And so here, Paul is going to pray. And in this prayer, it concerns four things about the Savior and the church. Remember, I said this morning, he's talking about the body of Christ. And we are the body of Christ. Isn't that right? And so it's important that you and I have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, I don't want you to have pastor religion or preacher religion or church religion. I want God to be real to you. Amen. And I trust that he is tonight. But if you're here and he's not real to you, then you need to really do some inventory. You need to really listen these next few moments uh, and take it and let God do something in your life. As Paul is praying for this church here, he pray, the first part of his prayer uh, concerning the Savior has to do and is concerning the Savior's person. Notice verse number 17. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you, notice this, 
the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Notice this, in the knowledge of him, in the knowledge of him. Paul says this in this verse. He said, church, I'm praying for you, but he said, I'm praying for you concerning uh, the Savior and his person. He said, I'm praying that God will grant you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. What does that mean? That just simply means, as the old songwriter said, I want to know more about my Lord. Amen. In other words, Paul is praying that these saints at Ephesus uh, would draw closer to his person and would learn more about the person of Jesus Christ. You know, Christ, this, uh, uh, this evening, he is a person. He's as real as you and I. And my friend, just as you get to know somebody that you spend a lot of time with and you get to know more about them and you become more familiar with them, that's the way it ought to be with the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you're gonna be familiar with him, then you say, well, how do I do that? You gotta be familiar with his word, amen? You've gotta get in the word of God. You've got to read it on a daily basis. You've got to let the word of God live in your heart. Listen, that builds a relationship with the Lord Jesus. You don't have to raise your hand, but I wonder how many sitting here tonight do not pick a Bible up from Sunday to Sunday. Do not pray a prayer hardly from Sunday to Sunday. They go from service to service, and I know we live in a busy world, but I'll tell you something, busyness can become a burden, and busyness should never stand in the way of our relationship with Jesus Christ. We ought to know more about Christ. Don't be satisfied in your Christian life. Don't boast in, and I don't think nobody here does this, but don't boast in how many years you've been saved. It's all right to get up and be thankful about the years you've been saved. And I've not seen anybody do that here, but I've been places where people, uh, listen, they prided themselves in how long they had been saved. And I'm gonna tell you, it's not how long you've been saved that makes you spiritual. It's once you gather along the way, amen? And there are some people that have grown more in two years uh, than some people have grown in 20 years uh, because they wouldn't pick their Bible up and read it. You say, but there's a lot of things I don't understand. It doesn't matter. If you'll just let the word of God run through you, uh, God will turn the light on. He'll give you something week in and week out. It'll strengthen your inner man. Uh, and most of all, you'll learn more about Jesus Christ uh, on a personal level. You ought to know more about his word and you ought to know more about his will, amen? And if you're gonna know the will of God, then you've got to be close to him, amen? I said it this morning. I'll say it again tonight. Uh, nobody knows the will of God for your life but you, amen? And the Lord will guide you. It's not hard to find the will of God. All you have to do is just surrender to it, get in the word of God and do everything that you know that God wants you to do right now. And if you're doing what God wants you to do right now, God will turn, he'll let you know what his will is in his own time and his own way. And you just trust the will of God. Is that right? I'm gonna tell you. There's been times in my life, and I'm so thankful that the will of God is not difficult. It's not mystical. I want to tell you the will of God is not confusing. There's not a million questions. There's no map. There's no puzzle. There's no code to, uh, to try to break when it comes to the will of God. Don't work that way. Sometimes we put so much pressure on ourselves about the will of God. When I'm going to tell you, all you have to do is surrender. That's all you have to do. Just surrender and say, Lord, I want to be in your will and I'm going to be in your word and I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do right now and if it's not sin and if it's not wickedness, 
If God puts the desire in your heart, then you can say to the Lord, Lord, that's the avenue I'm going to go down. If you don't want me to go that way, shut that door. And if he doesn't shut that door, walk right through it. You say, but preacher, that scares me. I know. I'm going to tell you what that is. It's called living by faith. There's always an element of fear when we walk by faith. I don't care who we are, but perfect love casteth out fear. I'm telling you, there's something I'm praying about right now. It's not sin. It's not wickedness. And I've just surrendered. I've said, Lord, this is the only thing I know to do. I believe it to be your will, but I'm not 100% sure, but I'm staying in your word. And God, if you open the door, I'm going to go through that door. And right now the door's open. If the door don't shut, you say, what are you going to do? I'm going to walk through it by faith. He said, but Brother Gravely, what if it don't work out? It's not on me, it's on him. You see, if he don't want me there, Brother Laddie, he'll shut that door. He's done it so many times. But I'll tell you, I have to be careful in those moments that I don't listen here and I don't listen there and I don't look here and I don't look there. It'll mess you up. You just gotta be surrendered and just just let God's will unfold and be revealed. I'm telling you, that is so true tonight. And Paul is trying to get that church to that point that if you'll just get close to the person and you'll just see the person, God, he's the shepherd. Is that right tonight? I'm so glad I don't have to lead myself through this life. I'm so glad I don't have to rely on others to lead me. I've got a shepherd that'll lead me. I want to tell you tonight, I know that as a pastor, you're in leadership. I'll be the first one to tell you tonight, it's not me calling the shots. I'm not up here trying to figure stuff out. I'm not up here trying to put pieces together. And I'm not up here trying to listen for any unusual sounds. Oh no, I'm just surrendering, saying, God, this is your church and we want to do your will and we want to go your way. And dear Lord, if you'll lead us and if you'll guide us, that's the direction we're going to go. I want to tell you, it don't happen just 90% of the time, but it works 100% of the time. Amen. Just know his person. And Paul prays that you may have wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. How much do you know about Jesus? You say, well, I know he's my Savior, but there's so much more. Paul prays concerning his, the Savior's person. Then Paul prays for this church concerning the Savior's promise. Look at verse 18. He said, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that ye may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. You know, I didn't see this till just now. But Paul keeps emphasizing to know that ye may have wisdom revelation, that the eyes of your understanding be enlightened, that you may know which what is the hope of his calling. I'm glad God wants us to know his will. I didn't come to preach on the will of God, but I can't get away from, from it because it's in this text here. You can know the will of God. You can understand the will of God. Don't try to figure it out. Just trust him, amen. He'll guide you. He'll lead you. He'll direct you in the right way. Can we just be real honest half of the time when we get in the will of God we wind up stumbling into it more than just putting it all together anyway you say what do you mean by that I mean how many times have you looked back in life and you really didn't know why this happened or why that happened or why necessarily you did this or you did that but when you look back guess what it makes all the sense in the world and you can say well you know what that was that was God's hand that was God's guidance he was 
just leading me along the way. I'm telling you, I don't have to figure it all out. All I gotta do is trust and obey because there is no other way, but he will lead you in the right direction. And he talks about his person. He talks about his promise. He talks about the hope of his calling. He tells the church, I'm praying for you concerning the Savior's promise. Why is that? Because if the church will learn more about Jesus and his person, and if they'll learn more about Jesus and his promise, you know what it causes us to do? The hope of his calling, it stabilizes us. It causes us to be faithful. You see, his person is what strengthens us, but his promise is what stabilizes us. I mean, if the only hope I had in this world was this world, I'd be, as, the, as Paul said, of all men, most miserable. I mean, if the only hope I had was what was coming over the news, well, I wouldn't have no hope at all. But you know what keeps us going? You know what keeps us off drugs? You know what keeps us off of alcohol tonight? You know what keeps us from committing suicide and blowing our brains out? We have a hope tonight. We know that no matter how dark it gets out there, we can rest in the Lord. We know that we've got a promise. Hey, the sinner don't have a promise. Only promise they've got is the promise of the flames of hell. But you and I, we have a promise tonight. We know that Jesus is coming and we know that it can happen at any moment. And we know that when he comes, we want to be found faithful. We want to be serving God. We want to be on the front line. That's why we don't quit. That's why we don't throw in the towel because the king coming, amen, and when the king comes, I want to be found faithful, don't you, I want to hear him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant, and Paul said, I'm praying that the hope of that calling becomes so real in your life, that you keep pressing on, hallelujah, hey child of God, press on, because Jesus is coming. Press on because we're on the last leg of the journey. We're in the final stretch. And Paul is praying concerning the Savior's promise, concerning the Savior's person. And then notice in verse number 19, he's praying for the church of Ephesus concerning the Savior's power. He said in verse 19, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe? According to the working of his mighty power. Now here's what he tells them. I'm praying for you. And I'm pointing you to Jesus in my prayer. I'm praying that you'll have knowledge and wisdom and understanding and revelation, that your eyes will be enlightened to our Savior's person, to our Savior's promise, and to our Savior's power. You see, tonight, if you've been serving God any length of time, and you've prayed and you've you've lived for God, you know that his power is real. The Bible said in Ephesians 3 and verse 20, now unto him that's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. The power of faith. That's the key that unlocks heaven's door. That's the key, my friend, to answer prayer tonight. Ask and it shall be given you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth and to him that seeketh findeth and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. Hey, as they sung about it a while ago, there's power in prayer, amen? There's power to spare. It doesn't matter what your need is tonight. It doesn't matter what your burden is tonight. It doesn't matter what your obstacle is tonight. I promise you, God has got more power than the problem that you and I face. Oh, you and I 
I need to do is to trust the power of God. I know there's power to preach. Uh, there's power to sing and we need it on that, don't we? Amen. I'm telling you why the church used to march on in victory because the church had power. I'm gonna tell you, listen, the church can still have power today. As a church, if we'll pray one for another, we'll have more power. Amen. When you see somebody faltering, you see somebody drifting, you don't have to go to them, but you ought to get on your knees and go to God and you ought to pray for them and the power of God can get a hold of them. You ought to pray for somebody else's prodigal. If you don't have one, pray for somebody else's child to be saved if yours is saved. But we ought to pray. Why? Because there's so much power in prayer. God can do so much more than we can. In fact, we can't do nothing, but we can pray. Hallelujah. And God hears us when we pray. Amen. There's power in prayer. And for every mishap and mistake that we make in life, prayer will make up the difference. Let's just be honest tonight. 23 and a half years, I don't know how to pastor a church. I couldn't write a book on it. I was at a church not to, uh, just a few days ago, me and Brother Barnes, and, and these things always make me feel real uncomfortable because I feel real inadequate to do this, but the pastor, he felt led to do it, and, 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 I, and I, I know it was the burden of his heart to share some things. He had some local pastors come over for a morning session and he wanted me and Brother Barnes to, he wanted us to answer some questions. <laughs> and uh, finally at the end of that, I just said, I said, you know, I'll just be honest with you. I said, the greatest thing I can tell you to do is pray. And it's not that I'm a great person of prayer, but I know prayer works. I know that when there's a financial need in the church and you pray, God answers that. He can, doesn't he? People say all the time, how do you pay for a jubilee? I said, I don't. God does. And as long as the Lord wants us to have that meeting, he'll pray, He'll pay for it. He always pays for his bills. Amen. He always pays his bills. And I told, and there's so many things in life. You, you know, there's sometimes we, we read things to help us, and there's nothing wrong with that. We ought to read things how how you know how to be more effective at this and that. And I believe in doing all that. But at the end of the day, there's no substitute for calling on God. I thought about all the songs that were sung tonight in the specials, how they just lined up with the message. I need thee. Oh, I need thee. Every hour I need thee. I'm going to tell you as a parent tonight, many of you are facing things that parents have never had to face before. Some of you, your children are not of age now, but you're already beginning to think about when they get older what it is they're going to have to face. I want to encourage you tonight, don't wait till they get to that age to try to, fret, to, to try to fret and figure it out. Just start praying now. Just start praying now. There's such peace in prayer because of the power that's in it. Pray. I, I pray for those grandchildren. And this is a, a little prayer that I pray for them every day. I pray, Lord, keep them from sin and Satan. Save their soul. Lord, I pray that you'll keep them in your service all the days of their life. And Lord, I pray that you'll Help them to keep them safe. I pray that every day for sure, especially for them boys. <laughs> but then I say, Lord, I always pray this prayer. Lord, I pray for their spouse. I pray that they'll marry in the perfect will of God. You say, well, they're not even old enough. No, they're not. But I don't want to wait till they're 15. 
I didn't wait till my kids was 15 to start praying for them I made. Lord, I just pray your will. And I put it in God's hands, not my hands, but I put it in God's hands. God will take care of that one. Y'all believe that tonight? The power, the power concerning his power. I think tonight that's the one thing that we ought to latch on to in Paul's prayer of nothing else. We ought to latch on to the fact that, no, we can't do anything. But God can do everything tonight. He has the power. If you're a Sunday school teacher, get a hold of that tonight. The flesh, education, intellect, oh, that's all information is wonderful, but you need power. Preachers, an outline of delivery, oh, that's wonderful, but you gotta have power. Amen. Singing, hit every note. Try to hit every note. I mean, you may not hit every note, but try. Can I get an amen on that? I mean, I, I'm not a church where if somebody misses a note. I don't think it doesn't matter if they, if they give their best and they miss a note. Who cares? But I don't want to go to one of them churches where they don't even try. Somebody say amen right there. Now, y'all probably think I'm too hard on that, but I've been in enough revival meetings. I'm like, oh, Lord, they're not even trying. But when you give your best, as long as it's your best, God will do the rest. Amen. It's more than talent. It's more than just perfection. There is no perfection with us. Power. We need power. I, I remember a little lady that used to sing in a revival meeting. And I'm going to tell you, she sung in this area. She sung in every church. If they had revival, she was going to be one of the singers one night of the meeting. And uh, she didn't sing in tune. She just when you got around her, you knew she prayed. Brother Laddie, she had power. And she'd sing that song, Oh, What a Savior. Bethlehem, Calvary. She'd get them two words out of her mouth and you'd feel the power of God on it. And I'm gonna tell you, that's what we need tonight, church. We need power. Singers, every time you get up to sing, before you sing, do you ask God to touch you? Do you ask God to fill you? Do you pray for power? And how you live, this is not in the sermon, but it ought to be said, how you live makes a difference. Isn't that right? Concerning the Savior's power. Then I want to say this in closing. Concerning the Savior's position. You get down to verse number 20. Paul points them to his person in verse 17. He points them to his promise. He points them to his power. But when you get to verse number 20, he points them to his position. He said, far above all principalities and powers and might, and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that world, and that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet, and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. He has power over society. He has power over Satan. He has power over sinners. You know why? Because of his position tonight. The Bible tells us here that he's far above all principalities and power. He's put all things under his feet and he's given him to be the head over all things to what? To the church, amen? You know why the church is in good hands tonight? Not because of our position, but because of his position tonight. You know why the church can march on in 2021? Not because of who we are, but because of who he is. 
And Paul in his prayer, he said, church, I know you may be going through difficult days, but I want to encourage you. I'm praying for you and I'm pointing you to the Savior in my prayer. I want you to see his person and I want you to see his promise. I want you to see his great power. I want you to get a hold of his position. As the songwriter said, how can we lose the battle when we got God on our side? Greater is he that's in you than he that's in this world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. I want to say Paul said in Romans chapter number eight, he said, nay, in all these things we're more than conquerors through him that loved us. He said, for I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You know how I know we're gonna win? Because we're in him, amen? And he never loses. We're on the winning side because we're on his side, hallelujah. And tonight, we ought to be reminded of his position. He is our all in all tonight. I want to encourage you as we stand. How do you pray for your church? Do you pray? Paul prayed for the church with his eyes fastened not on the church, but on Christ. I'm going to tell you, when you pray with your eyes on Jesus, you'll pray in victory every time. Father, help us tonight to help us to be a praying church. Oh Lord, forgive me where I failed. Lord, help us to pray for the for the body. And Lord, I know that if we'll pray together, we'll stay together. Help us to pray for the homes, the marriages, the ministries of the church, all of our missionaries. Lord, as we start this work week, and I know that people are busy, but help us to take time to pray. Help us to take time to pray for the, the academy, for those young people, for those who are homeschooled, for those who go to public school. Help us to pray. Lord, help us to pray for the college, for the young men, and those ladies that are taking courses, those who teach. Lord, help us to pray. Help us to pray for, Lord, the will of God concerning our church. So many things we need to pray for. Help us to pray for the spiritual well-being of Bible Baptist Church. Lord, may thy will be done.